Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right. Hey, everybody. This is the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast, the show where every week we come and talk about lighting. Really excited this week because I've got some great things to talk to you guys about. Um, I'm really pumped about this. I've been so excited to, to really get through the basic technical stuff, and I know that's helpful to a lot of you, and, and really start diving into the artistic. And today, we're, ju- we're going to do just that. We're going to start talking it a little deeper into talking about the actual design and, and how I choose what to do on my stage every time I'm working with the lighting. So you definitely don't want to miss this, all right? Now, first off, guys, so thankful that you're here today, and I want to cover some really exciting lighting news. So cue music. All right, so I read a really great article this week in Church Production Magazine about networking. And um, if, if you're in lighting and you're working with lighting, I was having this conversation just the other day with a coworker, because if you're in lighting, you're probably noticing, or if you're in audio or both, or video, you're probably noticing that every year networking becomes more and more a part of our lives. I don't mean talking to people, I mean with computers. And computer networking can get really complex and really confusing. And when you have a networking problem, especially if you're not decently versed in networking, it it can be really difficult to solve. And so there's a lot of misinformation out there about networking and a lot of uh, confusion. And so I just wanted to cover this. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Um, One quick note is that this is from Church Production Magazine. But hey, if you do lighting or production for for any type of show, I'd really recommend giving Church Production a, a subscribe. You know, they're one of those trade magazines. I talk about them from time to time here. And uh, if you're in the U.S., at least I know, it's totally free. It's, it's advertiser-supported, and you just have to tell them, you know, what, what you do with, with production, and, and they send you the magazine. And there's a lot of good articles in there. And so this article in particular was about using a tablet for mixing audio, okay? You know, it said tablet mixing, what's good, what's bad, and what's left for you to decide. And there was a really great portion that I just wanted to cover here because um, I get a lot of questions. I get a lot of people wanting to run their lights wirelessly off a tablet. And while this can be good, it can also have issues. And so I just want to read this this little portion here or kind of summarize it. He says, uh, he says, there's one potential technical weakness of all that all these applications have in common, Wi-Fi connectivity. Come the time of service, I wouldn't touch the tablet. He's talking about the church service, of course. Why would you run something wireless when there's a potential for instability live? And he says, uh, he describes the risk of using a tablet to control a console. There's technology in between that could fail on you. Even when the Wi-Fi seems fine during sound check and you have an independent network just for console control, the connectivity can suffer once the room fills up with people and their devices. This may not be on your network, but the performance can also suffer because of the the background noise on the Wi-Fi. In closing, he offers some sage advice to prevent mishaps. Secure your network, use a separate Wi-Fi network just for your console, and make sure it's locked down. It's not worth the risk of putting something so important on a normal network. 
And so the bottom line is that there could be numerous advantages to being able to run things live. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here um, and, and wirelessly. However, just remember that a real console surface often will give you quicker reaction times, easier ability to multitask and 100% reliability when it's wired, unlike wireless. And so I'm not a wireless hater. I love jumping on my tablets. I've got uh, an older Android tablet and I've got uh, iPad mini that I use all the time on shows to focus my lights, control things, whatever. But I always make sure I have a backup plan because Wi-Fi is something you can't control. And, and I can go into more details on this inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs uh, in the, the networking action plan. But, you know, networking is something you cannot control. If you're running 2.4 gigahertz networking, then there's only 12 channels for all the networks in a particular building to be on. Granted, in a church, you've got some more control over that. But if you're out, you know, especially downtown in a, in a club or wherever, there's going to be networks all around you throwing noise at your system. And, um, you know, you can't do a thing about it. And, and they can cause you some real problems. And so I really just say this as a warning, you know, now wireless sounds like a good idea, but it's not always that way. And so I, I just want to put that out there and kind of recommend that to you that, that you really think through it and think about having that backup plan anytime you run anything wireless, because it can have issues. So like I said, 2.4 gigahertz, you know, kind of the, the older band of networking, you only got 12 channels. Uh, in the, the 5 gigahertz range, you have, I believe, 36 channels. You have triple. So um, there's a lot more room in that spectrum. But even in congested areas or if a building nearby is running really overly high-powered networking, then you're still not going to be able to control your console. And so um, that's, you know, really important to note. And, and just to note that, you know, the wireless... Um, atmosphere in the air can can change really at a moment's notice and in fact even here in the u.s um you know blocking out wi-fi is technically illegal from what i understand however that doesn't mean that it's not done in certain buildings or during certain live events whether on purpose or not and so i'm just trying to you know really in this news just leave you guys kind of a, a balanced um viewpoint on it that says, I love wireless. I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. You know, you don't have to slice the bread yourself anymore. Same, you're not constrained to a wire to be able to control your console and your stuff, but it can have its downsides. And at the worst possible moment when, you know, the band is playing a big song or, or whatever, how are you prepared to, to have a backup for your wireless control? How are you prepared to handle a situation where your wireless goes down, your tablet flakes out, maybe your battery gets a bad cell in it and you didn't know that, and then all of a sudden it just shuts down? This can happen with older devices um, as they age. And so just think about that. Um, really, really do think about that. And, and if your show really matters, and I, I believe your show does in your service or whatever you're doing, then make sure you've got a backup plan. That's, that's all I got to say here. The other part, the other thing on lighting news I've got here is um, our YouTube page. So this month, I'm working through the 30 days to become a lighting ninja. Just 30 quick tips to help you create amazing lighting. And I want you to go check that out if you haven't over at learnstagelighting.com slash YouTube. That will be in the show notes, of course. But I really want to put this here for you so you guys take advantage of it because you know, when this comes out, it's going to be day 20. Okay. I'm, I'm recording it here on day 13. And 
you know, these videos have been, um, it's, it's been tough. You know, it's, it's hard work, um, but it's been a labor of love. And so I hope you guys can go check it out, can go enjoy it, and uh, take advantage of that free guide I've got as well, the four things you need to know before you buy any lighting gear. I'm just going to give you four tips over four days that are really going to help you save frustration, time, and money as you buy things. And so definitely check that out, even if you're not just uh, buying it for yourself, but, but maybe you're buying it for an organization or a band or a church, whatever. Um, check out that guide. I think it's really going to help you. So with that, guys, let's dive in to our main segment. Oftentimes when I work in the lighting world and work in professional lighting, I hear a lot of four-letter words. Uh, and usually that's when somebody's frustrated. But today I want to share with you guys a four-letter formula, an acronym that I use to make great lighting design. And when I first learned this from an expert lighting designer, I believe it was from Nook Schoenfeld, it kind of blew my mind because all of a sudden I was able to add up and, and add together my art school, or rather not art school, but art class um, in high school, my art class knowledge of the principles of, of uh, lighting, of design, rather of art and design, um, but regardless, um, you know, I was able to apply that all of a sudden to lighting and to design and, and, and really bring the two together to be able to, to really create great things and keep fresh ideas. Because I don't know about you, but I, I've programmed a bunch of lighting. I've programmed a lot of stuff, okay, over these years. And I still get to program a lot of lighting all the time. And I run out of ideas. I'm just going to put that out there, okay? So... I've done this um, before where, you know, I'm programming away. Maybe, you know, I've had to set up all the lights myself or I've just had, you know, one or two other people to help me. Um, you can probably relate to that. And, and, you know, then I'm sitting down at the end of the day to start programming some scenes. You know, the show's tomorrow. I, I got to get some stuff programmed. You know, my, my mind is not fresh, okay? But I need a way to consistently, every time, be able to come up with stuff that looks great because I've got a client who is anything from, you know, gone to dinner or, and going to be back in the morning or breathing down my neck. And they want to see something fresh. They want to see something new. They want to see something that looks really great. And it's my job as the lighting designer to bring that to them. So how do I do this? Well, like I said, there's a four-letter formula that I use. And so I'm going to just uh, spill out the four-letter formula here, first of all. And it's I-F-C-B. All right. If you've been following on YouTube uh, this year in 2018, the 30 days to become a lighting ninja, then you've heard about this. You've heard about intensity, focus, color, and beam. If you haven't been following us there on YouTube, uh, definitely check out that playlist if it's after june 2018 but if it's still june then go check it out that's kind of a guilt trip there for you but regardless intensity focus color and beam what does that mean well oftentimes you know and this comes from from our our lights and just how they work in the lighting console you've got four different ways or about four different ways to separate the different functions of your lights okay you've got literally intensity focus color and beam or intensity position color and beam whatever they're called it it's the same stuff right it's intensity you know how bright is the light focus where does it make you move your eyes and where's the position of the lights color 
what color are things? Um, and or is there a lack of color? And then beam. Uh, how are the beams shooting through the air? Are there patterns, you know, like gobos inside of the beam? Um, you know, how do the, the different patterns look in haze? Do you have lights that are really narrow? Do you have lights that are really wide and have a wide beam? Does it have a sharp beam? Does it have a soft beam? There's so many options, even if you don't have atmosphere. And so what I like to do is, is that anytime I'm programming out a show, anytime I'm working with lighting and I want to make a change on stage, right? Because in lighting, we're, we're really making a lot of stage. You start, or a lot of changes. You're making, you're starting somewhere and you end somewhere on your show. And in the middle, you sure do make a lot of changes, right? Between different songs, between different portions of the show, between different speakers, what, whatever kind of thing you're lighting, you're going to be making a lot of changes on your stage as the day goes on, right? Or as the show goes on. And IFCB using these principles allows me to go, okay, I want to make a change on stage. That's the first thing that goes to my head. You know, I feel something coming up in the music. I know if I look at my agenda, you know, that, that somebody else is coming up to the stage, et cetera, et cetera. And you say, okay, how do I make this look fresh and new? Well, the first thing you kind of want to decide is, am I looking to make a big change or a little change? If you want to make a subtle change, just change one of the letters and only change it a bit. If you want to make a big change, change all the letters and it's really going to make a big impact on the stage, right? So when we're working with lighting and over the next few weeks, by the way, I'm going to go into the next four of these, the I, F, C, and B, and we're going to talk about all of these and, and how I use them to create great lighting. But we also, you know, add in um, effects to these. And so that's something I add on at the end is, is intensity and intensity effects, focus and focus effects, color and color effects, beam and beam effects. And, and anytime, like I mentioned that I want to make that change on stage, I say, okay, what haven't I changed recently? Because the best way to get a fresh look on stage to make things look fresh is to change a part of the stage that you haven't changed the most recently. So you could say, okay, last time they made a change in the music, I changed the position or I added in some, some physical movement. Well, then maybe this time I'm just going to change color and, and maybe beam together. You could say, okay, I changed color and beam last time. Then I'm going to change focus and intensity. And as you follow the music, as you follow the dynamics of what is going on stage, these four letters are, are really there to guide you. In fact, when I was first starting and I first learned this tip and was programming, I would actually write this on the top of my console. I'd grab a little piece of tape and just write IFCB, intensity, focus, color, and beam. So that I would remember when that client was breathing down my neck, that event producer, whoever, you know, boss, you know, I knew somebody was coming over soon. When I needed a fresh idea, I could just look at that and, and find a way to get a fresh and a new idea in my show. And so, as I mentioned, guys, in the next few weeks, I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to go into this much deeper. We're going to talk about it a lot more, go into each of the four types of parameters, intensity, focus, color, and beam. I'm going to define them. I'm going to tell you how to use them. I'm going to tell you how I make effects with them and a whole lot more. And then we're going to wrap it up at the end. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, I can't wait to share that with you over the next few weeks. Right now, let's dive into our mailbag. 
All right, guys, this is the mailbag, the part of the show every week where I go ahead and uh, open up some emails that I've gotten from some great people, oftentimes listeners of this podcast, and uh, I answer as many of them as I can. Of course, as the show grows, uh, I do get more questions, and so sometimes I have time to answer them all. Sometimes I have to push some off a little bit. But remember, if you do want much quicker answers within usually a day or two and, and personalized assistance, then you're going to want to be checking out Learn Stage Lighting Labs, which is my membership community, but really, it's a shortcut. It's a shortcut to you creating great lighting because inside we go ahead, we have step-by-step -step tutorial videos plus personalized assistance in our forums equals you having great success in lighting much faster than it would have been if you just were going on your own. And so a lot of people have come into there uh, lately and I always get really excited when new people come in because I know that it's going to change your lighting for better. And there's not a lot of places online where, where you can learn on, where you can learn and get a virtual lighting mentor. So with that, let's dive in to our first question. Marco wrote in, or Matko, sorry, Matko, and I believe he's in Croatia. And uh, he said um, he's starting to make lighting for some band gigs. He's got some pars now. Um, he wants to do this with as, as little equipment as possible. So he uses an iPad for um, personal monitor mixing, playing some MIDI stuff, etc. He's got some iPhones around, um, some extra ones. One's a little older, one's newer. Um, and on gigs, he doesn't want to use a PC or, or Mac. Um, he doesn't want to use a computer to run his lighting. So he wants to run it off his iPad directly, um, if possible, without a router. Um, as he looks on YouTube and reads about things, he realizes, okay, one universe of lighting is all the control he needs. He doesn't need more than that. Um, so he's kind of looking at what's the best. He's been looking at Luminaire, and he's also been looking at uh, Light Rider as well. And uh, actually, I don't think Light Rider's free. We're thinking it was, um, but I think you have to pay for it, Matco. I'm in YouTube. Now, The uh, a lot of people are using the Entech ODE as the first option for control with iOS devices. So here, Matco, um, first of all, hopefully you listened to the lighting news section of this where I talked about Wi-Fi and how you really need to have a backup plan anytime you're running things wirelessly. You know, if you haven't had a, a time where, where the wireless has just, you know, gone out and, and, and not worked right um, in your show, um, it's coming. It, it will come sometimes. Trust me, I was thinking of, I know I shared this on the show before, but there was a time on a show where there was an acapella group um, that was mic'd. They were controlling their own mics off their own mixer backstage. Um, the production staff, myself and, and the audio engineer, recommended um, that someone stay backstage and they not control it wirelessly. And they didn't. And the acapella group was truly acapella. There were no microphones that were on um, because they were controlling it wirelessly. And all of a sudden, the room filled up with people and devices and uh, it stopped working. And so, and so I really don't recommend running things wirelessly, okay? But I'm still going to answer your questions, all right? Because I believe in doing that. Even though I, you know, there's these apps like Luminaire and uh, Light Rider, and people like them, and, and they're good programs. But I just, I really have trouble recommending someone go fully wireless for their show control. Because you can drop out for a second and have sync issues. It can get delayed or you could lose your, your connection completely, and then you have no show control whatsoever. And so here's kind of my recommendation here, is as always, I, I recommend, you know, DMXs. I really like it. It's 
just such an awesome program for running lights for a band. You literally just set up a computer and it can be running other software because DMXS is not um, something that's intensive on resources. And, you know, then you just hook up a quarter inch foot pedal to that DMXS box. Or if you use tracks in a DAW, you can hook it up to be automated there. You hook it up one of those two ways. And then you can just hit that pedal or run those tracks and your show follows your music as you press that pedal to go to the next cues. You don't have to have the screen up. You don't have to be looking at it, um, though that can help, you know, if you if you get lost. Once you get used to it, most people um, are able to, to move um, quite efficiently. And, you know, you're able to work with that. You know, I know you don't, you say you don't want to have a laptop on gigs, but man, you know, at the end of the day, if you're being paid to do your job, you know, wireless over Wi-Fi is not like wireless microphones. You're probably using wireless microphones, right? But wireless control over Wi-Fi um, and, and DMX data is a lot more data and a lot more can go wrong. And so that's why I really don't like recommending, you know, running wireless uh, data over a network, though it can be doable and it can work. You know, what are you going to do when you get in that situation where you can't control it and you don't have an answer? You may just have no lighting. And if that's okay, then go wireless. Let's talk about that. So... Luminaire is a great program. Lightrider is pretty good as well. Um, I see a lot more people using Luminaire, and I've played around with it, and it seems like a good program. Neither of these programs are really designed to work the way that DMXS does, in the sense that DMXS is, is really built from the ground up to work with band lighting. It's really built from the ground up to follow a, a set list and, and to play with music. Um, neither of these are that simple. DMX is on the playback once you get it programmed is so stinking simple, but I'm going to get off that boat. So they're, they're both good programs. Um, watch them and see, you know, which one you like better. There's also one called Vibrio that I think is pretty good as well. Um, but either way, you're going to have to be pressing things on the screen, which, which can be a distraction when you're, you're playing music. Okay. I don't know if you play music or, or what you do with the band. Um, but I think you play music. Maybe you're the audio guy. So Artnet or SAC and device. You ask about, um, what do I recommend besides the Intech ODE? Um, what do I think about the DMX King, etc.? And so here's my recommendation. One is that when you buy an Intech product, and I, I really like Intech and I work with them, you get a really quality product that's going to last a long time. Now, in the past few years, DMX King has come to the table and, and they've put out a bunch of products and... Truth be told, they make a good product. They make a decent product. However, there's a few things about DMX King that, that endlessly frustrate me. The first thing, and, and, and I don't care if they're listening or not, is that for one of their products, um, I believe they're USB Pro or something. Actually, I'll look it up right now. So one of their products, also known as the uh, Ultra DMX RDM Pro, is literally, like literally, an exact copy of the Entech USB Pro. Like down to the circuit board level, the box that it's in, like everything is a direct copy and it's it's blatant copyright infringement in my mind. But, you know, all these companies are in different countries and so, you know, this isn't like they're all in the US and they can just um, deal with that. So there's that. There's the fact that they kind of built their business off copying someone else blatantly and I don't like to support that. 
The second thing about DMX, and I, and I actually bought one of their products and I had a question about it, and I wrote into them, you know, because I was having some issue connecting it with one particular piece of software, Martin's now Alation's MPC. And other people have had this problem too. And when you contact their support, you get vague answers and they're very far apart. Okay. You get, you know, a couple sentences, a couple words, a sentence, and then you reply, you say, no, no, you didn't read what I said or whatever. And then you have to wait a couple days before you hear back from them again with an update to it or, or a question. And so I was trying to flesh out this issue. And I think I spent a week going back and forth with the guy and it's just a one man shop and we didn't come to an answer. You know, he just basically told me it was the software's problem and not his, his device, despite the fact that the other devices work great with it. And so I don't want to, I want to be careful how I say this, but there's a lot of companies and DMX King is not the first who come out there and, and blatantly copy companies that have been around longer like Entech. <clears throat> and they offer something in a lower price. But at the end of the day, you're going to get something that's that's not as reliable and you don't have that support. Entech, for example, you can pick up your phone. You're in Croatia and you can still pick up the phone and call like UK, um, you know, probably. And somebody at Entech UK will pick up the phone and be able to support you. DMX King doesn't have that option. They'll just let you email and, and that's about it. You can't literally call them to, to see, to fix the problem and to talk through things. And so that's really why I don't recommend DMX King. You know, I, I've tried their devices and, and they're decent, but I just, you know, uh, you know, the fact that they kind of built their business off of copying someone else, I, I really can't condone. And then the fact that they really don't have good support and, you know, over the long haul, uh, you know, I just can't recommend their products. Um, and so, and so I really, I really don't recommend that. I feel pretty strongly about that. Um, because I want you to be happy and I want you to have something that works good for a long time. But my recommendation is really just to go with DMX as I know that's not what, um, you necessarily want to do, but, uh, it's just my biggest recommendation. So Jorge wrote in thinking of DMXs and he said, um, thanks for answering my question previously. Okay. I thought I recognized your name. Um, he would like to know specifically about the show buddy software, which is designed specifically for DMX users. Um, and, uh, do I like it? Do I not like it? What do I think? So, yeah. So Jorge show buddy exactly is a program that runs right alongside DMXs and allows you to go ahead pull in your backing tracks, bring in your lighting cues and hit play your backing tracks or your click plays right with you. And the light show follows exactly. And I really like show budding. Okay. I've got an action plan inside of Lawrence stage lighting labs that shows you everything about it. But even if you don't go there, show buddy is a really simple program that just allows you to go ahead and throw together, you know, your tracks, put them in a set list, rearrange the set list however you want and then attach your lighting cues to all those songs and it's really easy just a drag and drop interface and i would say jorge um i i totally recommend it basically the only time i don't recommend it is is when somebody outgrows it because it's a simple set of software right so you get one stereo audio track you can't have multiple um tracks of audio like you can in other daws because it's, it's not really a daw it's just a control application and 
you know, but I, I would download the demo. I think there is a demo version. Um, we'll link to it in the show notes. And yeah, there is a demo version. And, and then you can check it out alongside of DMXs. I think it's awesome because you just pull in those scenes from DMXs and hit play and you get a show. You can even, I've had drummers do this. Actually, one of the guys that works at Intech showed me this because he's a drummer. Um, and I think, and, um, and he goes ahead and he can even put notes in there that play along with the music that let him know when to start, you know, when light changes are coming up, etc. And so it's a really powerful, really simple program that allows you to just bring in the music, bring in the lights and put them together. So yeah, if you're planning to run off of a stereo track or a click and you don't need more complexity than that, ShowBuddy is awesome. It's drag and drop. It's so simple to use. It's reliable. All that stuff, man. I would, I definitely recommend it. So with that, guys, that's the end of our mailbag today. Thank you so much for listening so far. Hey, I've got something special um, that I want to ask you to do today. Actually, I, I got this from another podcast. Um, but regardless, um, if you've enjoyed today's episode and you've learned something from it, I want you to go over to learnstagelighting.com slash iTunes and that's going to send you to a special page to the iTunes store, okay? And then you're going to be able to go ahead and rate and review the show. And what I want you to do is just in that review box, type in your what you learned. Type in something that you learned today on the podcast and then give me a star rating as appropriate. Um, let me know how many stars you give me. I hope I've earned five stars from you today. With that, guys, go ahead and check that out. LearnStageLighting.com slash iTunes. We'll get you right there. And then I will see you back here, same time, same place, next week. Have an amazing week. I can't wait to talk to you about intensity. See ya. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting podcast. Be sure to visit us at LearnStageLighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks.